You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Booth Review. Welcome into the season finale of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. I am here with my friend Brandon McAnderson and BMAC. Before we get going, I just want to say, man, I've had so much fun doing this show with you. It's been so great getting to know you this year. And uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I, I appreciate you joining me on this show and being the co-host. Of this thing. Likewise, man. I love being on here with you. The, the, uh, the KU football text messages. Um, I expect to be shooting you uh, observations during the Chiefs playoff run, however short or long it may be. Uh, but it's we, haven't, we haven't talked since your Raiders beat the Chiefs. <laughs> hey, you know. Mate, BMAC, you and me had as many completions in the last three quarters of that game as Aiden O'Connell did. Man, that that wasn't fun. I wouldn't categorize that as fun. But I will say uh, I did break dance on the floor of my hotel in Arizona, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, on that pick six and on that strange fumble recovery play. I really enjoyed those two. And uh, I will say that that offensive performance was abysmal. The Chiefs' offensive performance was abysmal, but both defenses were pretty excellent. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was uh, – that was, that, was that was quite one to watch. Uh, you were in Scottsdale. How, I mean, obviously, so did, did the whole fam come down with you for Christmas? Did you guys do Christmas early? Like, what, was the, what was the whole deal there with y'all? Yeah, whole family came down. We did Christmas. Uh, shout out to my buddy I grew up with, Joey Hobson. 20 years, I haven't seen this guy. A Lawrence native. Uh, works in the restaurant industry. Took me to an incredible meal at a place called Pyro. Top five meal for me. Uh, the kids and I, man, we had a great time. We saw all that uh, Scottsdale had to offer. The kids got to be around some of their favorite players, and it was warm. You know, we could sit by the pool a little bit. It wasn't crazy warm, but it was it was nice. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, how was just the bowl experience? Just being out there, and just just tell us. I mean, tell us a little bit about that whole that whole experience being out there for that. Man, that was it was awesome. You know, they were, did a really good job of making their bowl game an event in a way that you could really appreciate. Um, it was almost like a little Fiesta Bowl Junior, mm. and if you hear it like that, you know, you have a tendency to think insult. But if you've been to some of these bowl games, rarely are they done as well. Um, as the folks did uh, for that bowl game for the guaranteed rate bowl. They were excellent, like in terms of just food, uh, accommodations, uh, friendliness. You know, we got a chance to meet some of the guys for the on the Fiesta Bowl Council. They worked both games. So there was just a – I like when the kids feel like they're at an event, and I think they did a good job of establishing that for them. So I think they did a good job. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to talk about the game – but I kind of want to just skip to halftime first before we get into the game a little too much because I don't know how many people listening to this actually realize that you were on the other end of Lance Leipold's rant at halftime complaining about the refs. So I just really need to kind of get the play-by-play of how that whole went down, whole thing went down at halftime because I I heard like I I saw the I saw the quotes on Twitter at halftime of the game. But then I wouldn't like there's a clip circulating. I was like, oh, that's V-Mac. He told me that. So I was like, just look, I want to hear like just how that all went down. How was that? 
So leading in, you know, you kind of try to get a feel for how the coach is going to be on the interview leading into the half. And before that last drive of the half, everything's going great. You know, it's 28 to 10. The penalties had been a problem, but they hadn't been the problem. And as that, those last couple drives got gone, it became a huge problem. Some of them, you know, some of the things that were happening were out of everyone's understanding and purview of what's affecting the play and what's not. Did they happen at all? And then there were plays that where they were just undisciplined and were actually causing penalties. That was the, you know, the hold and the pass interference happened right before that. So it was a mixture of strange calls and then a little bit of undisciplined play on the back end. And I have a good view of coach. You know, I'm looking at him. And as that half starts rolling down, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to ask him one question, you know, because it and then I was going to think, oh, I could go offense. You know, Jason Bean's red hot. I could go defense. They answered the bell after that rough start. But I got to talk about the officiate. I at least have to bring it up. And uh, I bring it up. And man, he's about one inch from my face, not in a like, a, you know, not in like, a, you know, what I love about Coach Leipold is like, like when you see him at like Hawk Top and everywhere around town, and that's who he really is. But the competitive guy, oh my goodness, whole different guy. So uh, I just wanted to ask one question, and he just uh, he made it the highlight. I remember thinking, well, there's really no other questions I could ask, so let it all about his way and get ready for the second half. But uh, very, very enjoyable for me as as well. Well, okay, so Bmac, you kind of ruined it for me a little bit because I was really hoping you had follow up plans and you just oh. noped out of them as soon as he. Because like the way you backed off, you're like, all right, you know, like we're all right, we're good. And just to be clear, I didn't back off. You just walked away. So if I had <laughs> another question, it would have been asking at the air. Uh, so uh, once we finished that statement, he moved on, you know, because he did have a TV interview right after that, and I think he wanted to kind of cool the kind of pump the brakes a little bit before he got to that. So I, I was good with that being the end. Cause my thing is as a player and as a, like, as I'm covering the team, my whole goal is to just not be in the way, right? I'm there to cover the team. I don't want to be a deterrence of any kind, a distraction. I don't want to be in the way at all. So I'm like, I know he's got other things to get to. So let me go on ahead and slide off. Cause you know, what's the point of asking an additional question after an answer like that? And I, I thought it was funny, man. I, I just I appreciated him and his his, his honesty with it was amazing. And I just I I I just I could not get over you <laughs> handling that situation. I just like you're just like all right, we're good. Like I just I love it so much, man. But uh, y'all obviously like that came off of a very like I think. KU winning a bowl game it was not ruined for me because of the officiating and the flow of the game. However, it made it less enjoyable, more fragmented, a little bit annoying, and you know, it's just the volume of calls. A team that is one of the least penalized teams in college football all of a sudden just becoming just this most undisciplined version of themselves. I just have a hard time buying that, and that's what kind of got frustrating for me because like we're not really used to that, right? Um, but I mean, KU, I look, I think KU plays that game 10 times. They win 10 times. I think if KU plays that game 10 times, the score of that game is more than the 13 it is half the time. Like that game very easily could have got out of hand. I, I Kansas was just 
a, a clear step or seven above a UNLV. I'm not dunking on ULV. That I thought KU just they're just clearly a better football team. Glad odd things got a little weird, obviously, at the beginning of the first half, but I I just think KU's KU just outclassed that team. Absolutely. And I I think it's kind of well, people are always would wonder, you know, what what'll be the lasting images of Kodal Nikki no longer being on the staff. That game reminded me so much of Nevada for a couple reasons. Nevada is a smaller team, and their answer to try to stop Kansas was movement, slants, ETs, TEs, lots of stunts with, with bringing pressure off the edges. And it worked for them. And the difference was is that Kodal Nikki was a little slower to push the ball down the field. If you remember in that game, there was almost two and a half, three possessions where we were where we were scoreless because we we were playing in the run game. They were run blitzing and timing it well, and it was muck, mucking up the game. What I liked about Zabrowski's approach is that that was no such issue as they were pushing the ball down the field early and often, and it was necessary because we saw that UNLV offense had some good weapons and some good little players that were making an impact on the game. So it wasn't as if you know it wasn't Nevada out there. It was a really good team. Uh, but I appreciated the recognition that, oh, they're run blitzing, they're playing safeties tight, they're stacked to stop wide zone. I mean, it's their it's their sole purpose of defense. Let's do some other stuff. And that other stuff involved getting wide receivers in one-on-one and winning a lot of matchups. You know, my you talk about lasting impression of the bowl game. If you take away the penalties and the, the weird flow and the kind of what it took away from the game, I will remember that game as a coronation of a potentially – lethal wide receiver group that doesn't get as many opportunities to show just how lethal they are but when they do they deliver and that and when you call on these dudes they deliver it's the same thing at oklahoma state and i think Jalen daniels will be able to come back to a group that when they want to put it on some people through the air they will have the weapons to do so well and great news lawrence arnold and luke Grimm, the two leading receivers in that game have both announced today that they are returning to kansas for another season which is obviously massive news talking about unfinished business both of them today announcing on the same day which was pretty awesome uh and those two yeah it was an incredible day six touchdowns between them both 132 yards or more lawrence arnold goes six for 132 luke Grimm four for 160 and both looked awesome and like just like they UNLV had no answer back there. They could not match them physically. And I mean, it was just, it was amazing to watch. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, they had three receivers get more than a, more than a, a catch longer than 44 yards. Like Quinn Skinner got in there, got two catches for 80 yards. You know, they had, you know, Mason Fairchild catch a 20, Trevor Wilson tw- catch 20, 23, just ridiculous explosive plays. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the guy pulling the trigger on that here in a second, but I do want to mention a shout out to Home Field Apparel, been our partner with us here at KC Sports Network this year. It's been an absolute blast working with them. They're incredible products, all kinds of great uh, apparel uh, for KU athletics, you know, whether it's KU football, KU basketball, whatever season you're in, they got all kinds of great stuff. Promo code NOSEATS23 gets you a discount on that, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. I want to talk about the guy that was throwing the ball around the yard and getting his flowers after the game, which was great to see right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, B-Mac, it was so much fun to watch those receivers in that game. I just, I had so much fun, and I, I thought Jim Zabrowski called a fantastic game, and he played off the aggressiveness of that team. I thought the play-action game was outstanding, and, and just the calls were timely. And man, Jason Bean, dude. Jason Bean, man, I'm so happy for Jason Bean. And, you know, such a, you know, I think how he's viewed it's kind of weird. I think how he's viewed in the fan base has finally settled to a place that it deserves. And I know, you know, there's there's been, you know, a perspective or a perception about him to some degree a stigma about him. But all he did towards the, the end of the season is continue to kick down the door of the narratives and go out in just epic fashion. I mean... 449 yards, six touchdowns, you know, throws, you know, throws a couple picks, got a little greedy, you know, a couple times, but man, I'm just, I'm so happy that Jason B kind of had, had that kind of moment. He did just, you know, chucking that thing around the yard and making big plays and, and leading this team, you know, to a nine win season, to a bowl victory for the first time in a long time, just a special, special moment. Absolutely. He's just, uh, he was amazing. And, you know, I'm a huge NBA fan, so I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. And I can't remember if it was Bill Simmons or if it was Ryan Rosillo, but he had a great antidote about the kind of player Jason Bean is. He called them 90-10 guys. And he said 90% of of what they do, you absolutely love. And 10%, you can't quite figure out. You hate or it's frustrating. And for whatever reason, people spend a lot of time on the 10%. And not a whole lot of time on the 90%. I think this bowl game was an example of both, right? Where he did take chances and, and was a little careless with the ball when they got out of rhythm. But look what he can do when he's on, man. This guy is as good as it gets. Some of those throws, you know, he makes them look easier than they are. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i put it to you like that. His, his ability to put the ball in these spaces to these catching windows that only his receivers can get to, incredible. Um his decision-making on when to pull the trigger on those, incredible. 
uh, when to use his feet to create space and time to reach those targets. Incredible. And then the arm strength and the ability. I, you know, I don't know. We haven't, we're not going to do the favorite throw thing, but mine was that back shoulder uh, throw to LJ that they said wasn't a catch. That was clearly a catch. Mm. What I liked about that play was that that's a play we've talked about since the beginning of the season. It's something that he could not do. He's not been able to do that for most of his career, including this season. So to see him see LJ have coverage over the top, throw the ball over and outside of a of zone defender sitting underneath that and then put it in a spot where your receiver can go get it. That was next level football by Jason Bean. So that kind of play makes you think about he's going to be a, have a fun pro future to follow to see what people want to do with him. Well, and he just got a Hula Bowl invite as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of follow him during the bowl season. And obviously that can, you know, if you have a, a standout performance there, that can lead to more bowl game opportunities. He might wind up being a shrine bowl alum like you, BMAC, or, you know, something like that. One thing that is kind of interesting, they they have him listed as an athlete for the Hula Bowl. I'll be interested to see what they kind of do with him there. I think they should give him a chance to throw the ball around the yard a little bit yeah. when he's out at the Hula Bowl. And, like, I know, like, from an NFL draft from an NFL draft perspective, there are definitely some holes that you know are going to be concerning about his game when it comes to translating to the NFL level with some things. But at the same time, it's really hard to deny some of the production that we've seen out of him. Sure, there's going to be some concern about his frame. You know, weirdly, he's not an elite change of direction guy, which can really get you in trouble at times. You know, in the National Football League, your ability to bounce out the pocket's not going to be the same thing, but and it's going to be hard. I, I think if he gets to the Hula Bowl, like I know they have him labeled as an athlete right now, give him a chance to throw and see what happens. Just just give the give the man a chance to see what to throw and see what happens because he has undeniably improved uh, over the course of his entire career and even over the course of the season. And we've been talking about it, right? You know, we have been talking about it all year. Just the little things that he's doing to get better, and it's been noticeable on the field. And the culmination of, you know, 450 yards and six tutties and, you know, aired that thing out and just, ah, so much fun. It was, <laughs> and like, I think Kate was up, a, you know, they were up a billion when he threw that first interception, that heat check kind of close to the red zone. I kind of laughed a little bit because he was just like, you know what, these dudes are just winning out there. Like, let's just go continue to give them a shot because like the, the secondary for UNLV did not have an answer. For anybody out there, like it was just it, it, Lawrence Arnold specifically, I was just just looked like a different dude out there, and so it's just it was it was really fun to see this group win this way, and how dominant they were, at, you know, at the catch point, how dominant they were down the field. I just man, I, that was such a fun that was just such a fun game to watch. Absolutely, and you know that's a that's kind of the fun thing to think about as you know these ufls and as they as, as that league starts to take off man wouldn't it be fun to watch that guy play some spring football at quarterback so you know there's some of those things where you know and that's kind of been the this my favorite part about being is that everybody could be good you know everybody can be great you know but how many quarterbacks can come in on spot duty and be one of the best players in the country you know and i think that's what's what what i will remember about him is that when he could get to his peak it was literally as good as anybody in the country. So I, you know, and and there's not many people that can stake claim to something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like I think the thing that was so great is I think people took a breath and just really focused on just kind of showing appreciation for him. 
you know like it just it just seems like watching everyone just kind of maybe people that hadn't always been as on board with him you know throughout the season just making a point of emphasis to like you know make sure he gets appreciated for what he is you know some people are throwing out ring of honor some people are throwing out you know maybe i saw i can't remember who said that they should it might have been kevin flaherty who said you know maybe they should name a, a team award after him for perseverance you know because i mean the, his story i mean we all know his story right now if you're listening to this but that's not that's not normal you know this is not a normal kid and just the fact that he came back and took care of business and finished his story the way he did you know after the overthrow against you know arkansas in the bowl game last year coming back and throwing it over the heads of unlv just what a, i just i'm so happy for that kid absolutely fun player to follow and you know i i love people sharing their opinions you know about a way to honor and hopefully as we move forward we find more unique ways to honor some of our alumnus uh i don't think the ring of honor is the type of award we would we should do but i do think there is some way that we need to honor players like this because there's a lot of them there's a lot of people that uh you know, that played well here, that made a huge impact that, are, you know, we have a hard time properly remembering them. You know, a guy like James McClinton um, is a guy that comes to mind as a, a really special football player that, you know, there isn't a great way to honor him. So I'd like to see some more of that kind of stuff to, you know, to find some more creative ways as a new stadium open. For sure. For sure, man. Uh, uh, anything else just from that game, from the UNLV game? Just, I mean, we really didn't, I haven't spent too much time on the defensive side of the ball. I think Kenny Logan put together another solid performance in that game. He did some really good things, kind of closing his career out. I think he wound up getting the bowl MVP on the defensive side of the ball, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> that pick by Kobe was just classic Kobe. I mean, yeah. read the QB, sunk in there, and got that, you know, got the interception. I mean, anything else you, any, anything else on defense you really want to talk about? I did want to talk about Melo. Melo was locked in in a, in a different kind of way. And I remember the first time, you know, we started to have conversations about DBs at Kansas. He is the guy that you wanted to talk about the most. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the things that you mentioned in that conversation, you could really see in that game. Mm -hmm. Like the way he was able to stay over the top of people. He's got great feet. I mean, he's a really smooth athlete. He's got big hands. Like, I think he's the kind of guy, I think from... You know, sometimes you hear people say something. You're not disagreeing with them. You just haven't seen it yet. And um, you talking about his pro potential, I get it was really on display in that game. Just the way that he was able to lock into his techniques. I mean, I don't know if he gave up a completion. I would say he probably didn't. I think he had a pass interference call that was suspect. Um, he was incredible, and I do want to give a quick shout out to Kalen Gervin, who was awesome in that game. Uh, I thought what I thought that part of you know, one of the things I said on the radio is when the game started to go awry, they needed an older player to do something. And he was one of them. I thought he played well in the slot, made some short tackles, and, and did well in coverage. Yeah, and I, that's Kalen Gervin's last game. That'd be, I mean, I'm curious to see if he gets into camp just as a slot, you know, as a slot guy. He might be able to make his way into a camp, see if any of these bowl games pick him up, give him a, sh a shot to kind of get, you know, get a look out there. Wouldn't be stunned if, you know, he gets a, he gets a, a camp invite or, you know, a rookie camp invite, give himself a chance to, you know, kind of get a look out there. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's got he's, he's been a, a Power 5 player for his whole career. So, yeah, wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, you know, I we just got kind of talking about, you know, Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm announcing that they're returning to Kansas tonight. Um, Kansas has had some pretty good news, you know, with the Kobe Bryants of the world. Real deal, Devin Neal. Back. 
I want to talk about that one with you because, like, it's the running back brotherhood, you know. I, obviously, you guys are both Lawrence kids. How excited are you to see Devin Neal back back at, uh, at Kansas for a senior year? Man, I am selfishly super excited. You know, I just thought, you know, as a Lawrence guy, seeing a Lawrence High guy, you know, be a Ring of Honor member based on his statistics, he's going to be anyway. You know, he's going to be the leading rusher and he's going to be the leading touchdown man to ever play here. And he's from here. I think that part alone is awesome. Part two is if you look at the the future and what these guys are talking about, they're talking about winning the Big 12 loudly. <laughs> so and if you look at the schedule and the returning players that they have, they should be talking about it loudly. So I think what Devin is what he may be able to do as a legacy person at the University of Kansas, we might be talking statue territory. Um and, and I, I mean that like this guy could lead us to a place we've never been. And uh, I'm so happy that he's going to be a guy that's going to be a part of it because this is a this was a blue chip recruit, you know, from Lawrence, Kansas, that, ch- that chose to stay home and uh, to have it pay off in this way, you know, to be a guy that, you know, gets in the media and says, I want to be a part of the turnaround. And at that time, there were no signs of any turns. The car didn't have brakes. It didn't even have a steering wheel. You know, so we weren't even thinking about a turnaround. We were thinking about, man, I hope I can watch this team for four quarters, right? And you look back, this guy's only in his junior year. He's played in two bowl games, and he's on pace to be the all-time leading rusher and touchdown maker to put on a Jayhawk uniform. I mean, I'm very happy. Well, I think, if I remember correctly, he committed. He he didn't commit to Leipold. No. And so it wasn't like, he he said, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to change this program. Right. You know, no signs. <laughs> no signs of it. And it was like, it's almost like, you know, it's not that it didn't matter who the coach was, but it, at the same time, he committed to two coaches to come here and play at KU. And he's done exactly what he set out to do. And he's changed this program already in three years. And yeah, now, I mean, things are, there's a lot of reason for optimism with this program. I mean, you get the news of Kobe Bryant. You get the news of Melo Dotson. You get the Lu- news of Lawrence Arnold. You get the news of Luke Graham. We might talk about a couple of guys that, you know, they might they lost a couple. We can talk about that maybe a little bit. Kind of want to just focus on the guys that are here. Uh, because you got Jalen Daniels coming back. You got so much on the two deep. Obviously, I think there's going to be some, some stuff to work on with the offensive line. It's going to have to get retooled a little bit. Like, I think that's going to be one of the big, you know, the the big things there. But it's not like they're devoid of talent either. I think Calvin Clemens has an incredibly bright future. Mm. And, you know, there was a couple rough moments there for him in that game against UNLV as expected. But I I think for the most part, he did a great job. He held up real well for a a true freshman playing in his first start. You know, the only reps, I think most of the reps he's got in this game were or in this season were him as a run blocker running the clock out against Cincinnati. And he went out there, and I thought he did a really solid job. I think that was a great jumping-off point for the Calvin Clements era. And, I, you know, look, I know they're losing our Marjorie Adams, which you and me both love. He was one of, you know, he was, you, you know, he was a, one of my favorite players. I think he's, I think, I'll tell you what, I wish the best luck to our Maj. I think he's going to be a draft pick someday. If it was, you know, he didn't want to play in a wide zone, if they're going to run more wide zone than next year with Grimes, you know, hey, best of luck to you. Uh, but I still think I think they're going to ha- I think they're going to be able to piece this line together. Still, I genuinely do, and I think they've got a great coaching staff 
you know, to be able to piece this thing together and, and find some players in there. And they might have to add some in the portal too. Absolutely. I, you know what I would compare this to for Kansas basketball fans? I always want to draw it back because, you know, there's such a clear line of fan bases and understanding of things. And what I would equate Scott Fuchs to, who was the offensive line coach, it was like when Danny Manning was coaching big guys. Mm. The big guy could come in and look like anything. And she'd be like, ah, we're not worried about it. That guy's going to be an All-American or All-Big 12 in three years. The guy would be All-Big 12 in three years. That I am not, that is not an over-exaggeration. That is not, I'm not overstating it. This guy is incredible. Coach Fuchs is an incredible offensive line coach. Um, the way he cross-trains these guys is pretty incredible. Um, you know, Armage Reed Adams played guard all year, swaps over to right tackle, doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> it's just play, you know, Calvin is a blue chip recruit, obviously a four-star, you know, three-star, whichever publication you follow, but a big-time player was committed to Baylor. I don't remember worrying about him at all. I mean, you said rough moment. I could only think of a couple times he got beat. And, I mean, even then, he didn't get beat to where it was, you know, a travesty. He did get beat a couple times, but he was very reliable. They brought in uh, Noah Gorsuch, who looked good. And Mm -hmm. he was the the long completion to Luke Grimm. He played right tackle. You know, Kobe Bain, Michael Ford Jr. Like that position is one that I'm not concerned with even a little bit because you know that between him and the rest of this coaching staff, you throw Grimes in there too, you know, having a guy that's that's been an offensive line coach, they're going to be able to find seven players. They could be on the roster. They could be people they go find. But man, if you look at some of the people, Armaje Reed Adams, when he came in here, was over 400 pounds. He could barely move. They lost this guy. They also got him down a hundred pounds. You could see his length and his upside. And I do wish the best of him. He was one of my favorite players to cover. Good luck to him. But they can do. They can. They can duplicate that. You know what they've done with Kobe Baines. Kobe Baines was a more of a, a slimmer athlete type. Now he's a road grading left guard. When the first time I saw him, they were playing him at right tackle. You know, Dominic Cooney is another guy we've talked about extensively. Uh, from uh, MIAA Division II school and becomes a, an All-Big 12 player. Top 60 pick. <laughs> These guys can recruit and develop. So I'm worried about that position. And like I said, it is a, it is a uh, there is some money out there for tackles in the transfer portal, and I think that might be what motivated the decision. That's not an insider thing or anything, but if you look around, tackles yeah. get paid. You know, so if you're seeking money, then you know, good luck to them. Well, so, I mean, I'll just give you seven right now. You got Calvin Clemens. Uh, you got Bryce Cable. Do Logan Brown was a highly recruited player out of Wisconsin. Michael Ford. We talked about Nolan Gorsica, Kobe Baines, and Dre Duran. Those are all guys that we've gotten glimpses of in the last year, last couple years, seeing them play. So you know they've got some guys that might be able to, you know, kind of you know help get you know get get that offensive line intact. I I I will say this, yeah, I I have a pretty high level of confidence in Scott Fuchs because I just remember watching the one of the most impressive things and one of the things that got me so excited um about this team and this this staff and all this is this outlook is watching you know watching Leipold and company and Scott Fuchs come in in whatever it was August with that group in his first year and looking at the offensive line struggle to block South Dakota week one and then turn around and look markedly just night and day different by the end of that first season 
And so I think there's plenty of talent there. I think they'll probably continue to add some competition there. I think they'll they'll add you know, they'll they'll try to you know make some improvements there and maybe try to find a little bit more, you know, there in regards to that. But yeah, I think I think they're just going to be fine, and it might actually fit you know what what Grimes wants to do a little bit better. Like you know, it, it might wind up fitting Grimes a little bit better, um, you know, because he does lean on on wide zone a little bit more. Even like he may not be as I'm not gonna say he's not rigid. But he, I think that's something he really likes. Paired with wanting to chuck the ball down the field, which is exactly what this team did in the bowl game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be something to pay attention to for sure. But yeah. I do think they, they, they. It's not like the co- the cupboard is far from bare at the offensive line either. Yeah, you you just you went through the list. I mean, Bryce Cable, dude, we talked about him like an afterthought, and like he wouldn't. He should have been an All Big Twelve player, honorable mention at the very least, and probably could have been even higher if he didn't get injured. I mean, this guy wasn't giving up nothing. You want to, you want to, you want to talk about, you want to talk about somebody that probably deserves a lot more credit, but got too much. You know, like the perception doesn't yeah. meet reality the same way with Jason, like some of the Jason Bean stuff. Bryce Cable do. Yeah, Bryce Cable do has gotten better and better every single year here at Kansas. And I know some people hold on to some of the stuff they saw when he was probably too young to be playing and still out there playing. And now, and right. he is a, he's a better player. He's gotten better every single year. So if Clements and, and cable do your starting tackles, that's a good jumping off point for sure. And you yes. just kind of figure some stuff out along the interior. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. You know, I'm really excited about that. Um, returning, you know, they're returning the receivers, they're returning, you know, you know, Devin Neal. And obviously we'll see what happens with some of these young guys. But I mean, obviously I think edge is going to be a potential concern for this team. They've already went out to the portal and they've grabbed some stuff, but I think don't get to, I, I think my, my, my caution to everyone is don't get too caught up in portal additions thinking they're all of a sudden just going to come in and just change the game and they're going to supplant someone who is starting already because this team and this coaching staff and this player development is unlike anything I've seen in Kansas in a long time and just because the names don't change doesn't mean that these players aren't getting better and doesn't mean that these players aren't deserving of it because last year part of the reason this team got better is because some of the guys that had been here in this program beat out transfers. And we all said, uh-oh, well, if the, if the transfers can't beat out the guys that were here last year, what's going to happen? Oh, you know, they're going to start 5-0. and They're going to be 5 with, you know, Jalen Daniels. They're going to be ranked. They're going to host, you know... It, it just be just I, I know some people are gonna like get a little bit worried about that, but the player development piece of this whole program is so real that just because the names maybe don't change or you know flashy new ads maybe doesn't mean that there's not really good players on this roster that are continuing to get better because that's what this program is built on. Yeah, and you know, like you you mentioned it like concern, and I know you didn't mean anything specific to concern because you were referencing outside sources, but I'm excited when I see a hole on this, when I see a perceived, I'm going to say perceived hole on this Kansas roster. I'm interested to see how they're going to fill it. If you look at it last year, losing Lonnie Phelps, we thought was going to be a death sentence. And that defense, that edge group got better. And it wasn't just because Booker got there. 
they got better because with portal additions, they got better with junior college players like, you know, Westmoreland. They got better with Jeremy Robinson improving, Hayden Hatcher get putting on bulk and becoming a stronger player at the point of attack. Like, you know, they just start finding these. You know, for me, I'm looking at edge again, right? You got the two young freshmen you can throw in that mix. You got Dylan Brooks. Uh, you got you got guys coming back that played really well at those spots. That's going to be fun. There's a couple defensive tackle rotation spots. We're going to see who can fill those because they did go six deep last year and they lost a guy. Uh, nickel is going to be a fun group, fun check to see who stepped into that nickel spot. Um, you know, because Gilliam will be that kind of overhang linebacker. He'll have a good chance there. You know, uh, Brantley, we'll get to see where he slots in, where he plays. He's a fun player to think about. You know, you could just go down the line and it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. That's fun. You know, so it's going to be cool to see, you know, how these guys plug these holes and, and what kind of ways they do it. And I know we're kind of over the bowl game, but it ref- it's a good example. Patrick Joyner steps into that bowl game. He's a late addition, fifth-year guy with one year to play, comes to Kansas. All he does is make a play every chance he gets. Austin Booker's unavailable, <laughs> plays incredibly well, you know, has a sack, has a force, uh, forces a bad throw into an interception was really athletic and was able to move around some of that zone read stuff. I thought he was awesome. You know, so, you know, that's going to be cool to see how they fill those spots. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, there's so much. There's a lot of returning talent. Uh, there's a lot of good football players in this program still. Yeah, and, that you know, they're going to lose a couple here. Uh, but there's a lot on the table for them next year. And I get the belief. And the culture guys, some of the guys that are a big piece of that culture are still there. The accountability in that program is still there. Jalen, Devin, the change agents that were change agents as freshmen are still there. They're trying to finish their own story as seniors. And I I just, I can't wait to see what heights this whole group goes to. You know, they're up for the challenge. A lot of them came back because they want to go finish. They want to go finish things on their own terms. So that's exciting, man. Like that's just such an exciting thing for this program, and I it's been such a fun it's been so fun to watch, you know, and it's been so fun to watch how this thing was built, uh, and I just man, I it's it's setting up for a really special twenty twenty four. Man, you know it's it's championship expectations for the fan base. It's a championship returning roster. It's a roster that believes that they can compete for a championship. And a head coach that knows what it's like to win multiple championships. So you're going to have a coach that can do this. You know, you talk about what it takes to win in this way. It takes culture. And it takes someone that can establish culture. And it can't just be about making the leap. It's got to be about hopping over the fence. I think when you have a guy that has done it six (laughs) different times, it's it's just a whole different it's a whole different scenario, man. This guy, it's won championships, and this guy with this type of roster, if they are in position to win one, he will have them prepared to do so. And I think that's been part of why they've been able to leap just ahead of what we expected. They did it last year or two years ago in beating Texas. They did it last year when they surged at that five and zero start. They did it this year when they became the third team in Kansas football history to win nine games. You know, so, and that's with three quarterback injuries. So this guy's a champion and he's going to prepare champions. And this appears to be a championship roster. And I can't wait to see how they respond. 12 teams make the playoff next year. This, the, the 24 
2024 Jayhawks might just bleed into 2025 if they're not careful. You know, they, I mean, you gotta, you gotta dream it up. You gotta believe it. This team's very good and it's going to be very good next year. They're returning a lot and I can't wait. BMAC, I tell you what, man, I told you at the top of the show, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this show with you, show with you this year, my friend. I, it's always fun to find someone that wants to nerd out about KU football the same way <laughs> you do, you oh, know. Nice. You know, a couple of guys that b- grew up either in Lawrence. I was in Lawrence for a few years and then moved to Eudora, you know, but I've been following this program. I've been on campus a lot my entire life. And I've, you know, I've loved KU football for my whole life and been fun talking with you about all of it. And man, yeah, uh, thank you again for uh, for doing the show with me this year, man. Listen, man, it's been a blast, man. I love getting to know you and we'll keep working, man. You know, you can always, you know, if you want to talk about Malcolm Koontz or Bax mm-hmm. Crosby or anything like that, just let me know. I, I'm good. I'm not on that. We might, we might have to. We might have to be talking to Sean Warner sooner, sooner rather than later. That yeah. is it for this season of Booth Review. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's been so much fun watching this nine-win football team. Can't wait to see what happens for this program in 2024 and beyond. That's B Mac. I'm Kit Swanson. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.